for you that uh, haven't been here, this is, I think, my third message I gave on body, soul, and spirit. So I'll do a little bit of review for you so you have some understanding. And uh, then we'll take off on what the Lord has put on my heart for tonight. When you were created, you were created body, soul, and spirit. Your body, that's what this chair represents. It's just your body. Your soul is your thoughts, the things you, you contemplate, your, your education, what you think, what you, you know, feel, and all that. And then there's your spirit. When Adam fell, your spirit fell. Your spirit died. It no longer had connection with the Father. But when Jesus went to the cross, your spirit had the opportunity to come back to the Father. And when you are born again, your spirit comes back to life. Your spirit is has 100% everything that Jesus had. 100%. You're exactly like Jesus in your spirit, man. No different. Nothing less. The Bible says he's given you everything for life and godliness. It's right here in your spirit. Trouble is, with our spirit, we still have our own thoughts, our own attitudes, our own things that have happened to us, things that we've experienced, things people have said, done, whatever, and they still affect us. We've become very used to these things, and we react out of these things. And that's why somebody, you'll say something to somebody and they'll blow up and you'll go, huh? Because you have no idea what you've, you said, but it, it triggered something here. And then your, your body is just your body, just, just, just your flesh. It, it's there. It uh, has its own desires and needs. And these two things get together and justify any kind of sin you want to do and think you have the good reasoning to do that. But this is still here. And the whole point of this is that you understand the spirit in you is who you really are. You're not here. This isn't who you are. So when, when, you, when you act out and, and you sin and you, you fall short, you're not really sinning because you're not a sinner anymore. See, Jesus came and died on the cross, took all your sin away. It is all forgiven. So you're here. But you don't realize that yet. And you go back and forth between your, your body and your mind, and it's in conflict with your spirit. And we talked about some other things like, you know, speaking in tongues, which is your spirit speaking, and your, your, your intellect, your mind goes, what is that? But your fleshly tongue just takes off and leaves him out. And he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that at all. Because people start saying, well, that, that's, that's not godly. That's not in the Bible. That's, and you start... These two things get together and you stop doing that. But it's your spirit talking to God. 
So, with all that said, um, I'm going to uh, try to use in here uh, the mirror. I have the mirror Bible in my phone. I'm going to use that. So, we'll just just be patient with me as we work. Um, one last point on, on reviewing. Talked about being double-minded. You can't be double-minded. You don't have two spirits. You only have one spirit. You cannot use your thought process and you know, the, the Father says you have everything you need for life and godliness and you say but I don't have the car I want or I have bills coming. No, you have everything you need for life and godliness. No, but you don't know. I'm, I am so sick. I feel, I know it. I'm, I'm kind of down with something. I know it's, no, by my stripes you have been healed and you need to, you need to walk in that and not in what you, you think. But you go, but my body says I, I, I've got a fever. I know you have a fever, but that's not who you really are because you're really over here. Do not be double-minded. This is who you are. People don't see this. People don't see who you are. You don't see who you are. Truly, none of us see really how magnificent we are. We don't understand. We don't understand how much we're loved and how much he cares for us. And the whole thing you need to do is to get these to come into submission to this. Jesus walked like this all the time. Jesus never was sick. Do you ever see Jesus panic? <gasps> what am I going to do? Lazarus is dead. What are you going to do? We'll go in a couple days. It's okay. He knew what was going to happen. He took criticism for it. John the Baptist was beheaded. He felt bad, but he knew. He knew what was going on. He understood. He didn't do anything on his own. He didn't do anything out of this. Either one of these. He only did what the Father told him. And when the Father told him. Now, a lot of times we, we think that the Lord has told us something and we go ahead and do it right away, but the Lord never said do it now. He says, I'm going to tell you something, I want you to hold it for a while. I want you to get a deeper understanding on it. No, I'm going to go out and do it. You're going to fail. You've got to, you've got to be there all the time. Okay. What we're, to, what we're trying to do by being in the Spirit all the time is to, is to walk in the Spirit. And really what that is, is let what God has done in your spirit dominate your physical and your mental life, your body and soul. That's walking in the Spirit. You know, some people say, I'm in the Spirit all the time. You know, no, you're not. No, you're not. You can't be. First of all, if you're saying that, you're not, because you're in pride. So, is this is this an easy thing to do? No, it's not easy to do. 
Is it possible to do? It is very possible to do. Because Jesus did it. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8. And bear with me, I am doing the 2 Corinthians. This really is a neat little... And as you find it and turn your pages, you can hear my pages turning here. Five, seven, and eight. Okay, now, if for you that don't know, the mirror is... How many books has he written? Ten? Ten, Ten or twelve books. They're written from a standpoint of grace. And it's a paraphrase. But it's really good because other than having scriptures, he has in there all the Greek and understanding of the words and such. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8 to you out of, out of the mirror here. Faith. Faith is to our spirit what our senses are to our bodies. While the one engages with the fading and fragile, the other celebrates perfection. Our confidence stems from knowing that even though it might feel at times that we are merely reduced to flesh, our greater reality is that we are intertwined in the Lord and He is our permanent abode. That's where we're supposed to be. What we're supposed to do, and and we're really talking about renewing your mind. We're supposed to base all our thoughts and all our actions on who we are in Christ. Everything is based on who we are in Christ. It's not based on how much money I have, or what kind of car I have, or what family I come from or don't come from or where I was born or the color of my skin or anything like that. Everything is based on who you are in Christ. And that's hard. It's hard for us to do. Because we keep getting our own thoughts but our own bodies, you know, just come up against us and then we're wondering why, you know, why am I this way? Why, why did I do this? Why did I live this way? But you have to realize that I'm not who, even who, I'm not a loser. I'm not a sinner. And that really bothers people when you tell them you're not a sinner. You're no longer a sinner, saved by grace. No, I'm the perfection of Christ. Because we base our actions on who we are in Him. And we are complete. We are full We lack nothing at all when we're in Christ. Let's look at Galatians 5, 16 through 18. And we'll go into... Sixteen and through 18. And again, this is out of the mirror. This is about living after your flesh. 
I conclude, let spirit be the dominant influence in your daily walk and see how it defeats the cravings of the flesh. See, your flesh does crave. It wants stuff. You know, and it's not just, you know, a Hershey bar or something like that. It, it wants acceptance. It wants adulation. It wants whatever, you know, this thing wants and this thing will justify it'll get it wants drugs it wants pornography it wants you know whatever new husband new wife and believe me those those things come up it goes on to say while the law of works still features in your mind it is a catalyst to disaster You are caught in the middle of a war zone wanting to do the things that you desire by design by by finding the flesh in strong resistance to what the spirit desires. So what it's saying, the, the spirit says, this is what you need to do, this is what you want. And these two things go to go to war against it. And you're in that battle. Well, if if you um Before I go on, on to the next, one of the things, you know, people, even when I was a young, unsaved, I, th- I think it's basically out of the Baptist denomination, you always see these signs, the wages of sin is death. Well, that really encourages me. <laughs> and, I, you know, I go, oh, if you sin, you die. Well, you know, to the un unschooled and unchurched you sin and you have a good time I didn't die I had a good time I'm going to do it again next Friday and it becomes a habit and you do it over and over and you you don't realize that yes the wages of sin is death but death isn't death Sometimes, sometimes death is depression Sometimes death is illness. Sometimes it's just something overwhelming you. Sometimes you, you, you might feel, you know, that you might worry, you might, you might have fear about something. And that's, that's death because sin is bringing that on into your life. So, you know... Even my brother, and I've heard it said a number of times, my brother says, yeah, if there's a God, let him strike me down dead right now. And I go, you know, I'm glad he was a loving, grace-loving God. He doesn't give us what we ask for all the time. You know? And there was nobody else around to see it, so it wouldn't have convinced anybody if God did do it, so he... He was he was loving and kind to my my unsaved brother. <laughs> one day, one day, the the big thing you need to learn to do is to agree with the spirit mind. And I guess once you've learned that the spirit mind exists. 
once you know this is here, you go after it a little at a time. You know, a lot of us think that, oh, I'm saved. And then you go out and you get drunk the next weekend. I know, I know, uh, I was saved. First time I went to First Assembly and saw the big Christmas presentation, I was so hungover, I was miserable. But I did it for my wife. I didn't change. I was saved. But I didn't change. And we get more and more frustrated because we start agreeing with body, soul, instead of the spirit and the spirit keeps saying Greg you're perfect you are the most perfect as I see Jesus I see you just as Jesus is so am I right now in this world boy that's a powerful verse I'm just like Jesus I'm going to try that next time when Jehovah's Witnesses come to my house. I'm just like Jesus. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Answer that one for me. Though they've stopped coming to my house. If, if freedom from these two things aren't manifesting in your life, it's not because you don't know it. You don't know about it, and you don't know about this, because you all know about this. You know the, the spirit in you. It's not your ignorance. It's just that you're not doing it. Do not take that as condemnation. Because you just have to continue to renew your mind, but your flesh wants to dominate. That's where Paul in Romans 7 talks, I do, but I don't want to do, do, and do. You know, he wasn't schizophrenic. He didn't know what was going on. He's just going, there's a battle. And he says, I still do things that my spirit doesn't want me to do, but I still do them. I don't understand. I don't know why. Yes, he did know. Because he said, thank God, Jesus. Because Jesus put me back in this position. But just because you do these things, you're not condemned. As Terry said, you know, at the beginning, even the head of, uh, you know, the, the Planned Parenthood, can be saved that will change your whole perspective if you look at people if all they knew was Jesus and they were perfected that thing in a moment you change your whole attitude towards people change you don't get as angry with them you may get frustrated yeah but you don't get angry because they are valuable. They are precious. Because he died for everyone. He just didn't die for the elect. The ones he's going to choose later on. Or he didn't die for, you know, 
my daughter got into a conversation the other day with a, a lady at work. She said, Dad, she said, it was amazing. This was, what day? This is Saturday. This was on Friday, and she had three hours. They had no work. So this lady was born into a Catholic family, but knew my daughter was a Christian. And why there's a distinction there, I don't know. But she said, yeah, I, I asked the priest, my, my son, you know, she has an abusive husband, I, if I remember right, but she said, my son not been baptized. What will happen to him if he dies? Well, he's going to hell, the priest told her. I'm going, excuse me? How, how could you say that? And my daughter says, no, that's not right. That's not right. And she said, Dad, we talked about everything from baptism to speaking in tongues and everything. So she said, it was really exciting. There are people out there who want to know, who want to hear from you. Do not be afraid to speak up. Do a little rabbit trail. A couple weeks ago, we we prayed for a lady with ankle problem. I I walked away from that so mad at myself, going, you idiot, you did so poorly on that. How dare you pray like that over her? And you you were with me, and I'm going... That was, that was not right. I said, you wanted to look good, Greg. You wanted to come up with just the right words. There are right words. But God in, in his great grace checked into my motel room this Monday. And this little lady can't call anybody older anymore there's very few older (laughs) but she she asked me how I was you know because I I see him all the time and I said I'm I'm doing I'm doing well I said how are you doing she goes I'm struggling I said well what's wrong she said I was driving home the other night and had a seizure on the highway and drove three people off the road and I just continued driving, and it's a, everything's a mess. And she said, when I, when I got home, after everything, you know, nobody was hurt, but she said, when I got home, I had another seizure. My son took me to the hospital, and, and in the hospital, I had another seizure, and they sent me to a bigger hospital, you know, with better facilities. And I said, well, you know, that's not right. You don't have to put up with that. She said, what do you mean? Step down to the end of the calendar and talk to me. Okay, Lord, here we go. Walk down to the end of the counter, you know, and talk to her. I said, no. I said, Christ paid for your healing. You have to realize you're already healed. A little more conversation. Stay right there. I'm coming out from behind. So she goes out around, takes me to the corner, you know. Sometimes you don't want people to hear what you're talking about. She says, what do you mean? I said, are you a Christian? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Yes. 
then he already paid the price for your healing. And she goes, do you think I'm wrong for asking for him to heal me over and over again? And I go, I'm not going to get in a silly argument about religion with you. But I tell you, why don't you just start thanking him for what he already did? She just sort of stared at me and I said, in the name of Jesus, seizure cease. You'll be whole. I believe it. So she gave me a a teary hug, went back to her work. Hope to see her next time when I go out there. She was back in the back a couple of the days because I stayed there four nights and didn't hear anything more from her. But I thought, not a sense of pride, but that's all I needed to say. Jesus did it. Receive it. Thank him for it. I don't need to come up with all the, the fancy words or the things that sound good. Because they don't sound good to the Father when you when you do that. He just he just shakes his head and goes, Oh man, this this boy I'm gonna get him good. So So remember that the, the Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. You can't do it. Galatians 2.20 was always one of my favorite verses. It says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. In the life I live, I live. Through the Son who gave his life for me. So you can't live the Christian life. And there are people out there trying as hard as they can living the Christian life. And you will never, ever do it. You will never live a life like Jesus lived. You can try, you can try, you can do all those all those things that you think are wonderful and, and you know may get your accolades from the world, you know. Yeah, we fed them and we fed them and we did this and we clothed these people and oh boy, I'm so good. I've built up such a an account in heaven. Be scary when you go look to see how much you have built up in heaven. You cannot live the Christian life. See, living the Christian life is, I would assume all of you have had, do you want to use the word, epiphanies, or like, you know, a light goes off, like, oh my. And we've had a lot of them in the last year, going through this, this, this group of people. See, when the light comes on, the darkness leaves. It has no choice. The trouble with a lot of Christians, it's like you're living a life in a dark room and you're trying to improve yourself and you try to take a shovel and you try to shovel the darkness out of the room. Think about that. 
All your works is like trying to shovel darkness out of a room. And it just stays dark. You can't do it. But if you bring the light of the world into the room, the darkness has to flee. Your mind is changed. Your, your attitude, the way, way you think about things. I would say there is nobody in here that's been with us, you know, for the year. It's the same as you were a year ago. You, could, you can't be. It's not that we've shoveled out a lot of darkness. We've just gotten this guy a little closer to this guy. Where we're coming into agreement with what Christ says. We're bringing our soul into agreement with the spirit man. And when we talk later about living above the line, that's what it is. You have to live above the line. You have. This is where you belong. There's a lot of fear going on right now about what's going to happen, particularly in the rest of this month. God's going to take care of us. You do not live by what you see or by what you feel or by what the world says. You live by what the Father says. Do you know His promises? That's the way you're in the Word. You start to understand how much He loves you and and what He's done for you. You know that verse, as He is, so am I right now in this world. I never read that before. I probably read it before, but I've never read it before. It's eye-opening. You're in the process of changing your mind. You're in the you're in the process of coming into agreement with what the true reality is, with the way God created you to be. You need to stay focused. You need to stay on things of the spirit and not the flesh. Because when you get, when these two, when your spirit and your soul, or when your body and your spirit, or your body and your soul, get side by side, you'll find yourself starting to run downhill. And, you know, when I don't know if any of you have ever done that when you're a kid. Run down a hill. <laughs> Ride a bike down a hill. Oh, yeah. Down through a cow pasture. That's a treat. You know, there's no stopping. You, you've lost all control. When you sin, you're running downhill. You're losing all control. But you still have this. No, you're my son who I love and I'm well pleased with. I forgave you. I already knew. I knew you were going to do that. I already forgave that.
So you're in a battle between these two in your spirit of, of changing yourself up, of, of becoming more like Christ. You really need to stay on things of the Spirit. You need, you need to continue to look at things of the Spirit. And once you look at things of the Spirit, it becomes easier to understand. If, if we could do this, you know, four nights a week and talk about this, we would move much faster as a group. Give you a little example. I uh, I like to cook, and I look up recipes on my phone. All recipes, and I get my phone working, and I read through it, and I walk away, and it goes off. Oh, security, bring it back. There it is. I walk away, and it goes off. I remember just a little bit. I might do that 10, 15 times, baking something or cooking something. How much was that? Well, it's what you walk. Trying to get into the spirit is like, you, you keep going back to it. And you keep turning it back on. And you're going, oh, there's, there's the light. I understand that. There's the part of the recipe I needed. And eventually, I don't need to. I don't need to do that. But because that recipe is here, see, the mind has come into agreement with the spirit. I don't need to go back and forth. It's this is this is right. Your mind says the spirit is right. I am who it says I am. But it takes time. Don't get frustrated. We all get frustrated. We all fail. And when we get frustrated and and fail, we tend to look for somebody who's more frustrated and failed more than we do to make ourselves look better and feel better. And we all do it. That's why it's easy uh, picking on somebody... uh, like the lady from Planned Parenthood. I'm better than her. I think there was a little story in the Bible about, oh, at least I'm not like that sinner up there. Yeah. The thing is, you're already perfected. But you have lived such an unperfected life and you get glimpses of this and it's exciting it really is exciting when you get glimpses of this and you can't take any of the the accolades for it because guess what you're dead you died and once you realize you're dead you go live out of this all the time Because out of this comes Christ. Out of you comes Christ. It's amazing. Close with this. Peter 
When Christ was crucified, you know, denied him three times. Jesus didn't need to see him do it. He knew he was going to do it. But crush Peter. Crushed him. So they crucify him, put him in the tomb. He raises from the dead. And Peter comes back and sits in this room waiting for Pentecost. Do you think anybody talked to Peter? Do you think anybody went to Peter and said, Hey, that's okay, buddy. He loved you. I don't think so. I think they all acted like if we were all stuck in this room and we knew, well, there's that Peter. Man, he's going to be toast. He's, he's, you know, he did something far worse than I did. Be careful because God will point those things out to you. And heaven forbid if he ever makes them public. Because he can do that too. So receive his grace. Don't give up. Stay focused. Because your life is far more precious than you think it is. Don't get dragged down by the day-to-day things. We're all going to go through day-to-day things. We're all going to have problems. The big thing is not to give up. Because the benefit of being here is far more valuable than anything else you could ever attain of walking in the Spirit. Far more valuable. And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. It doesn't matter what your family says. It doesn't matter what your spouse says. It doesn't matter what your kids say. Sure, they hurt. But the thing is, the Father says, you're my son, you're my daughter, who I love and I am well pleased with. So, don't give up. There's joy in the journey. Okay? Thank you.